Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 858, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 27, verses 55 to 61. Let's read our passage. Many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after him were there, watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. When it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph came, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. He approached Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be released. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean, fine linen, and placed it in his new tomb, which he had cut into the rock. He left after rolling a great stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were seated there, facing the tomb. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's writing this Gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus, to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. We're at the point of the crucifixion, toward the end of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus had been arrested at night in the Garden of Gethsemane, taken to the high priest during the night, and to the whole ruling Sanhedrin body. They determined he was a blasphemer and needed to be put to death. So that next morning they took him to Pilate, the Roman governor, and convinced Pilate to have Jesus executed. Pilate didn't really think Jesus was guilty of anything, but in order to quell the crowd who were demanding Jesus' crucifixion, he ordered Jesus to be flogged and crucified. So Jesus was beaten, flogged, and taken out and crucified, hung on a cross to die. He was mocked by the soldiers, mocked by the public, mocked by the religious leaders, even mocked by the criminals being crucified alongside him. And then he died. We saw that in our last time. And based on the events happening around his death, the earthquake, the darkness, the manner in which he died, the centurion in charge of the crucifixion, said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Well, now we pick it up, chapter 27, verse 55. Jesus is dead. Jesus is still on the cross. But verse 55 says, many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after him were there watching from a distance. few points associated with this. One is, part of the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And It seems that all the disciples of Jesus have scattered, but these women are here, and they are the witnesses to the death. And they'll be witnesses to the burial, and they'll be witnesses to the resurrection. Interesting, because women couldn't be called as witnesses in any kind of legal proceeding. So here, God is using the least of society to provide the greatest of importance for witnesses It says they had followed Jesus from Galilee. I don't think it just means they had come with Jesus from Galilee on this particular trip. But I think it means they had been followers of Jesus since Jesus was in Galilee. Point being that they are part of Jesus' traveling group. They are disciples of Jesus every bit as much as the twelve are. But we haven't heard about them much. They're kind of in the background, but it's been focused on the 12 apostles. But we see the significant number of women who are 
part of his crew too. And one of the things we saw in Luke was that they provided practical support. So it says they looked after him. Back in in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, soon afterward he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene. Seven demons had come from her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stuart, Susanna, and many others supporting them from their possessions. So by looking after him, I think it means there were some wealthy women here, and they were providing financial support for Jesus and his disciples. But they're the ones watching from a distance. There's nothing they can really do. Only the soldiers have access to the immediate area of the cross. They're just having to stand back and watch. Verse 56. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now, people like to try and put things together here, and it's an okay thing to do, but we be careful we don't go too far with it. We're told here by Matthew that you have Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now, we know the mother of Zebedee's sons. We saw her earlier. Zebedee's sons are James and John. And so this is the mother of James and John. She was the one that went to Jesus on the trip down from Galilee and said, Can my sons sit at your right and left when you come into your kingdom? Now, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. What do we know about her? Not much. Now, we were told earlier when Jesus' family was coming to check on him and even take custody of him, that he has two half-brothers named James and Joseph. Is this some off-handed reference to Mary, the mother of Jesus? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think that Matthew would refer to her that way versus just the mother of Jesus. But we look at the other Gospels. We're told that in Mark that a woman named Salome is there. John talks about Mary, Jesus' mother, and her sister, and Mary, the wife of Clopas, are there. And then we see somebody named Joanna on Sunday morning when they come to prepare Jesus' body. And Joanna was in that passage I just read from Luke chapter 8. Another one of these women who's a long-term follower of Jesus. Now, someone want to link these groups together and say, well, all three of these lists from Matthew, Mark, and John, include Mary Magdalene. And someone to link the mother of Zebedee's sons with Salome and John's reference to the sister of Jesus' mother, which would make Salome Jesus' aunt, which would make James and John Jesus' cousins. We gotta be careful. There's no way that we can say that for certain. So, but the point there is there's several women there, and Mark even said, and several others. Verse 57, when it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph came, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Well, it says he was from Arimathea. Arimathea is a town probably 20, 25 miles northwest of Jerusalem. 
Now, that's where he's from. Doesn't mean that's where he lives. Seems he lives here in Jerusalem because Luke says that he was a member of the Sanhedrin and disagreed with their plan to kill Jesus. And we have him preparing a family tomb here in Jerusalem. So he lives in Jerusalem, even though he's from Arimathea. So what do we know? He's a rich man. We know he's a member of the Sanhedrin. And we know he had become a disciple of Jesus. We don't know how long. Matthew doesn't talk about any of the prior trips to Jerusalem. The other Gospels do. And perhaps Joseph of Arimathea had become a disciple in an earlier trip, or could have just been in within the last few days. But he had become a disciple of Jesus. Verse 58, he approached Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then Pilate ordered that it be released. Now, this is a pretty gutsy move on his part to actually go and ask for the body of Jesus. He can't be a closet follower of Jesus now uh, doing this sort of thing. I guess he could say he's doing it out of obedience to the law. Roman custom was if somebody was crucified, their body hung on the cross and rotted away until the scavengers ate it. But Deuteronomy 21, 22-23, actually look at that. If anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and is executed, and you hang his body on a tree, you are not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight, but are to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not defile the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So the law says, hang somebody, and that includes crucifixion. Nobody dreamed of crucifixion back then, but you cannot leave their body overnight. And so apparently the Roman governors would allow the Jews to go and retrieve the bodies and bury them that day so they weren't left hanging overnight. Now, Roman custom also would not allow for the release of the body if the person had been convicted of treason. And that was kind of the charge against Jesus, but Pilate knew he wasn't guilty of that. The Pilate releases the body. The other Gospels tell us Pilate actually sent word to verify Jesus really was dead, because it seemed kind of soon. Verse 59, So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean, fine linen, and placed it in his new tomb, which he had cut into the rock. Now John tells us that Nicodemus went with Joseph and did all this. And we all chose to think it wasn't just Nicodemus and Joseph. They probably both have servants, so there was a lot of help doing all of this. So we're told it's a new tomb. A rich person would have a family tomb built, basically. A cave dug into the face of the rock. This is apparently a former quarry area. And so they carved a, a tomb. There would be a little entrance area that you had to stoop down to go through, and then a larger chamber inside in which you would add bodies as family members died. And so the fact that the new tomb means there's nobody in it yet. Jesus is the first one. So they put Jesus in the tomb, and it says he left after rolling a great stone against the entrance of the tomb. Now we often see the images and even pictures of these tombs from the Jerusalem area, and it was basically a large disk 
that had been carved out of stone, and it was rolled across the face of the tomb to seal it, and it went down a little incline into a groove. So it wasn't that hard to roll the stone into place, but it would be very hard. It would take several people to roll the stone away from the face of the tomb. Verse 61, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were seated there facing the tomb. So, you see Mary Magdalene again and the other Mary. Got to assume he's talking about Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, that he mentioned up in verse 56. But, this goes along with the idea of witnesses. They're witnesses of the death. They're witnesses of the burial. And they will also be witnesses of the resurrection. And that's a significant part of the gospel, that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. The death, burial, and resurrection is always spoken of as basically a single event. The, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, it, they, they go together. The, the death, he died for the sins of the world. The burial was because he was dead. He was really, truly dead. Friends don't bury friends who are still alive. And then the resurrection was proved by his appearing to the people after he rises from the dead. So this finishes out the day of Friday. It began the previous night, Thursday night, after the Last Supper. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was arrested. We had the trial early. Friday morning, the crucifixion, Friday morning, Jesus' death, Friday afternoon, and now Jesus is in the tomb, Friday evening. Pick it up again Saturday morning next time. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.